Funky, what do you call it? What kind of bell is this? What do you call that? Cow. No. It's not a cow. <laughs> you wanted to say cowbell. Yeah. Right. It's not. Well, the bell bell. Yeah. Well, let's connect the dings. That was Switch Mob, connect the dots, and we are Music Biz 101 and. Yes! Is this going to be our NPR or our normal? This will be the uh, black metal version of oh. Music Biz 101 and more. 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 That's what uh, <clears throat> I destroyed my voice for the for the show, but I think uh, it's worth destroying the voice for the show, for the people, for the listeners. I'm Dr. No, you are Dr. Esteban. Yes, I am. And I am Professor David Kirk Philpin. We're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio. The woman working the dials, pushing the pedals, making the buttons flash, Ashley Feltner. Ashley yes. Feltner. Yes. So good to have her. So good to have her. And then we have a young man with us today, Dr. Stabon, do we yes, not? Yes, we do, and it's not you. No. It's not, and it is not Ashley, because she's a young lady. Our young man is a young man named Patrick Gannon. Patrick Gannon, everybody! It's good to have you on the road, Pat. I'm sorry, on the show, Patrick. Don't hit me, I'll hit you back. So, Patrick, where are you from? Why don't you tell us? I'm from Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Ah, he's a little he's a little Scottish. He's not Irish Plains, he's Scottish Plains, New Jersey. How are things there in the Scotlands? They're good. Ah, oh, he's a talker, isn't he, Dr. Yes. Stephen McCroney? God, he carries a tune. He, he does. <laughs> what do you do here at William Patterson? I'm University? a jazz and music entertainment uh, major. Music and entertainment industries. Industries major. major that's I right. know your major better than you. You do. That's okay. true. What kind of instrument do, doth thou playest? I doth play the saxophone. Ah, did you hear that, Dr. Stephen? Yes. Dr. Stephen played the uh, trumpet. I've oh, yeah? seen him with a saxophone in his hand. Really? Yes. Wow, that means nothing. Not but, in his good. mouth, yeah. but in his hand. <laughs> I don't know. He just walks around to look cool. It's yeah. like carrying the, the beer at the party just to look cool, but you're mm-hmm. never going to drink it. Yes. So, um, did our caller call in? Well, we're not ready for him. So, we want to thank uh, Ashley. We want to thank uh, Patrick. But here we are. Uh, we do have a guest tonight, uh, Jordan Chalmers, mm-hmm. who we're going to introduce in a moment. Before we do that, we want to remind people 
Go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and also follow us on the Instagram that fits with the Fasta book at musicbiz101wp. And you're probably listening to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or the Spotify. Should we give some thanks? Yes. Why don't give, we give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent, and Kiss. Grammy winner, St. Vincent. Yes. Best rock song. I listened to the song today. It's very cool. Mm. And Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com when you are ready. And we should give thanks to Christine. Oi. They a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If somebody like you is looking for some guidance on how to plan out for your retirement, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, give Christine a call at... Repeat after me, Patrick Gannon. All right. But use your Scottish accent, Patrick. 732. 732-4... <laughs> That's horrible. 455. 455. 1,510, y'all. 1,510, y'all. And you can email her, Christine, at theywealth.com. Leave the last oi off for savings. And that's all we'd ever ask of you. Managing Your Band, 6th edition. It is out. It is available. It has been published. It has pictures. It has color glossy pictures. It has mistakes, that. too. And it has color glossy mistakes. A couple. All right. We're men enough to admit it, and combined, we're one gigantic man. We are Gigantor, hosting Music Biz 101 and more. Yes. And we also, William Patterson, the university, is ranked one of the best William, uh, well, it's the best William Patterson ever, yes. but it's one of the best music business programs in the United States of America. That's correct. Very happy about that. This is year five of our show. We have done over 200 of these, and interestingly enough, Dr. Stabon, what did you say you had with you on your tiny little sticky today cheat notes yes this is the first time in over 200 of these exactly that you brought in Definitely. some prep yes you are that in awe and this uh, is the first time in 200 shows that we have new chairs we have brand new chairs yes. so our bottoms are very comfortable we've finally got new chairs both my right and left gluteus maximus yes. are, are just embroiled in joy right now <laughs> ah. full of joy hey speaking of joy yes many years ago jody and jerry chalmers gave birth oh. to a young boy named jordan jordan Chalmers, son of Jody and Jerry. Jordan Chalmers, our guest on Music Biz 101 and more. Jordan Chalmers. Yes. Jordan, it's great to yeah, have you yeah, here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, baby. How are you? Uh, living good, guys. Living good. Still at the label right now. Burning the midnight oil. Going to be here till uh, probably 11 o'clock tonight. So this is another day in the paradise. That's good. By the way, you didn't get in until 7 p.m., so it's you know four-hour yeah. day. It's not that big a deal. Hey now, hey now, hey now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your parents are listening, so we don't want to in any way right. paint the wrong picture of our good friend Jordan Chalmers. Of course, of course. God it's... knows Paul's probably going to tune in as well. Shout out, Paul. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Sinclair. All right, uh, Dr. Stavon Marconi is sure, going to Jordan, begin. How are you? Good, man. Good. good. I, heard you got, uh, I heard you brought some notes for me. You came prepared. I'm happy yes, to Yes, I that. did, because we just, uh, I think Dave and I both were watching that nine-minute uh, entrepreneur uh, piece you did. You were interviewed, oh, on, uh, interviewed went, on YouTube. Y'all went and found that now, did you? I've been trying to get that taken down. That's good. Ah, no, no. Don't get it <laughs> taken down. It's very interesting. 
Anyway, yeah, that was early. Uh, that was early stages of me kind of forming uh, what we now have as our uh, content partnerships department. Mm-hmm. So you are your real title is coordinator of digital marketing. Uh, that was uh, yeah. That was my first original position within Atlantic was a digital right. marketing coordinator. Correct. And now you are. I'm what? a. So the title actually just changed recently, within like the last week. Actually, uh, it wasn't necessarily a promotion, more just like a shift of perspective mm-hmm. as to what exactly my role would be. Uh, I now am a manager of content partnerships. Oh, great. And that entails... Right, so we've, we've, uh, we've, we've eliminated the need for the word influencer. It's a stigmatized word that we feel as though it's kind of been abused. Yes. And it no longer kind of encapsulates what the value of these people we're working with are in this space. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to call them content creators. And what we're doing with them is creating partnerships. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. For example... So, for example, um, so I'm working with someone like uh, Cardi B or A Boogie with the Hoodie, and we're working on a song like Look Back at It or Money. It's my job to come up with creative and strategic ways to find partners on social media platforms like Facebook and TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and find ways to get there to be a relationship between their audience and my artist's audience, whether it be them using the music, using the brand's likeness, our artist's likeness, I mean, or just putting our artists actually in content with the partner, which we see the most success with. Now, when this was uh, sort of created, and I'm sure it was unraveled uh, over time, was everybody at Atlantic on board with this? Or did you have no, to do a lot still, of explaining? It's still, uh, it's, still, it's still taking time. I mean, we're chipping away. It's always going to be an educational process, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, to, not to say it's archaic in any way, but we like what we know works. You know, I mean, television, radio, brand partnerships, touring, press, it, like it, it puts food on the table, you know, and this, this whole content partnerships, lifestyle marketing that I do, it wasn't really a topic of conversation five years ago. It became a thing about three years ago. It's become a priority, it seems, within the last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking of, thinking of it from like that perspective, it's gotten easier for me to have conversations about what my goals are and what I think is realistic for the space. And people are actually starting to look at me like, hey, maybe this does make sense. Maybe this Maybe we shouldn't focus necessarily on ROI and more think about how this is going to be communicated in the marketplace and how it creates market share and awareness. Right. Now, are most artist managers hip to this? What do you have to sell them to? Oh, depends. It's, so, so that's a good question. It's, it's, in my experience, it's kind of been genre-focused. Um, mm-hmm. Urban seems to have a much better grasp of the content creation space and the value of disrupting the space i think pop rock is getting more hip to it it's just not as well versed so when it comes to like working with a lot of our management teams they're they're very aware of the power of shade room and baller alert and world star but they're also trying to get better understood of how their artist kind of plays into that role so that way they're not turned into a meme or made fun of or kind of the butt of a joke because at the end of the day they're, they're not trying to get made fun of on any platform mm-hmm. now at one point uh in that nine minute uh YouTube segment, you were talking. Oh about, you were talking about how um, the artist should be resourceful. The artist should do the research. The artist should know their genre and so on. We had hundred percent. They gotta. They gotta do their own research. Yeah. Um, several years ago, we had Kevin Lyles uh, come to the oh, university, beautiful. and he sort of, I think, uh, said the same thing way back. Maybe it's even eight, ten years ago, uh, and he said that. The artist should be a professor of what they do. 100%. 
What, yeah. why, in what world am I going to be successful in marketing you if you don't know how you want to market yourself? You gotta, you gotta give me some direction. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a rapper. <laughs> like, that's the last thing I'm going to be able to do is understand your experiences in life and what led you to creating the music that you did that your fans resonate so much with. You know, I can only ask so many questions before you really need to start the conversation yourself. Yeah. Now, are more Marauders getting that, especially in the urban field? Yes and no. Uh, I think sometimes they say too much and sometimes they say the wrong things because mm-hmm. of the access to social media and how accessible it is to have such a large audience at such an immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. I think you've seen it bite a lot of people on the rear end a lot of the times. But, hey, um, I think what hmm, – repeat your question for me. I don't want to get it wrong. No, I said did our aud- are most artists hip to that in the urban field? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, just knowing, you know what I mean, knowing the history of what they're trying to do and knowing where it came from. Look at at how Takashi utilized being, I don't want to call him a meme, but the man utilized his access to social media and how he knew anything goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went eight for eight. There's a reason. He, He was comfortable with doing whatever. And whether it was getting in his underwear and dancing in a puddle with a rainbow umbrella, mm-hmm. running down the street with a super soaker. I mean, the, he was willing to, to put himself out there, to, to put himself in a position where people are going to be talking about him, whether it's the music, whether it's the collaborations, whether it's what he's beefing with or who he's calling out. Like, There's ways to utilize it. And I definitely think artists like him have put the mainstream media onto how to do that. You know, it's not yeah. a secret anymore. Yeah. I think one of the... One of the other things I took away from that uh, interview was something I had never heard before, but I, I believe it, and that is that the artists should create a mission statement for themselves. And it was never put to me like that, even though Dave and I do a lot of that in our classes here uh, to get people to, you know, to try to hone in, let's say. But the way you put it in a mission statement uh, makes a lot of sense to us. Does that make sense to the typical urban artist. No, I definitely don't think so. I mean, imagine a world where you can tell your artist to put together a SWOT analysis for themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> imagine yeah. what that would look like, man. Yeah. To have an artist come back to you and be like, well, here's my strengths. Yeah. These are my biggest weaknesses. Yeah. You know what opportunities I'm really looking for? Yeah. No, dude, my biggest threats that really scare me. Like, yeah. oh, my God, the path that would put us on. Yeah. Success. You know, what's yeah. funny is I teach an entrepreneurship class, and in the class... Uh, they are putting together projects uh, of a business of some sort. And, and some of the kids in the class of the 20, uh, probably 10 or 11, are artists themselves. And so they're actually putting together a business plan for themselves in their career in which they're doing like exactly that. that. They're doing a mission statement. They're doing SWOT analysis. Mm-hmm. Can you explain then, Jordan, exactly what uh, – because I'm sure there's some people listening don't know what a SWOT analysis is. Can you kind of get into that? Got you. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, shout out to Mizzou, uh, who's, who taught me <laughs> what a SWOT analysis is. Uh, Tanya Heath, um, I love. So uh, SWOT analysis uh, stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, it's typically what you should do before you launch a brand or kind of go out into the ecosystem before you really go public. It really helps you kind of prepare yourself, lets you figure out what you're, what to lean on and what you need to kind of focus your next steps on and what you, what you, what you lean away from. You know, which is honestly, in my mind, the biggest thing that people don't learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, like a lean away from? Explain. Uh, some people like to think they're good at everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack of all nah. trades, master of none kind of thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not one to tell somebody how to live their life, but I, 
firmly believe like once you find out what you're good at, get better at it. Like really become an expert, become a pro at it. You know. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to stop anybody from trying new things, though. You know. Yeah, be a professor at it. Mm-hmm. There you go. So for for you, in, when you're in that situation, you're trying to walk the fine line of of helping them, but not stifling them. But you're also from your perspective, sometimes you're, you're seeing them and maybe your gut is saying you shouldn't be doing that. And you're, you're because of this all, what you do in terms of content management and working with influencers, you're trying to find the right people to connect with them in the social world anyway, right? Exactly. Based on passion points, you know, like the last thing. So like if I meet with an artist and the artist tells me that they're a big fan of beauty and they love shopping and like they would love to get on a runway one day, the last thing I'm going to do is go put them together with a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go find an up and coming stylist who's popping for New York Fashion Week who just got a co-sign in GQ, and I'm gonna get them to go meet up with my artist. So the people who follow them on GQ and people who are paying attention to the space are now gonna correlate that oh, this person's developing in this space. They co-sign this person. They must be developing in their own right. You know, I, I kind of look at myself as like an A and R would, but I'm an A and R for content creators and content partnerships. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, that, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, people get that. Yeah. Now, um, when people, uh, artists sign with Atlantic, because we, we saw, we've heard you speak before. We were we brought a class of 20-some-odd kids in in November. And uh, one thing that you said is when an artist signs with Atlantic Records, where you work, the artist or artists, the group, they fill out a questionnaire. Uh, can you explain what's mm-hmm. on the questionnaire, why they fill out this questionnaire, totally. and what I, you do with it? I haven't, necessarily, I haven't necessarily seen it in its entirety. It's honestly it's one of those like myths you know, that like, you hear about, but you never actually see. <laughs> I know it exists. There's definitely been references to it. Like, there's a reason why we know some of our artists' favorite ice cream flavors. You know, it wasn't just something that came up in passing. So it's like, I know they exist. Um, we ask a lot of their passion points. You know, what do you do in your free time, your favorite genre of music, your inspiration, your motivations, your hometown, your favorite curriculums? Like certain things like that, I'm sure, are all a part of it because at the end of the day, it helps us better understand our, our marketing. You know, it's something a lot of the time, the biggest difficulties we lead at Atlantic, I personally feel like, and probably it's the same way at other major labels, is communication chains. It's it going from one department to the next, to the product manager, to the artist management team, to the artist, and then back through. It's like a game of telephone. Mm-hmm. It really increases your chances of it getting to the right sources and getting the right responses if it's on brand if it makes sense for the overarching picture. If, it, if you know an artist's goal is to end up playing at Coachella and getting on Ellen DeGeneres, and you're coming up with really innovative ways to get them collaborating with content creators who have been featured on Ellen before, and you can go and tell management, like, look, they've been on Ellen before. What better way to get her attention than working with creators that we know Ellen follows on Instagram? Go look at who she follows. Look, she follows this creator. What better way to get her attention? Let's have them do a collab together. You know, like, that's, that's common sense, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, what, what are you working on now that you're excited about? Oh, man, what, what am I not excited about? Better question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm currently working Meek Mill uh, Championships. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm also working A Boogie with a Hoodie, uh, Hoodie Season, currently focused on Look Back at It. Uh, OT Genesis got a track out right now called Bay. That's mm-hmm. a fun one. Um, Rico Nasty has been a real big priority for us. God bless Rico. She's, she's one of those artists that I firmly believe, like, come next year, She's going to be out of here. She's got true talent. She's one of those artists who's willing to invest in herself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then Lizzo. I've been seeing a lot about Lizzo lately. Uh-huh. We, uh, we had a brainstorm today about Lizzo. Uh-huh. So when do you, we're thinking now out loud, 
When do you when does a, a manager or an artist pitch an idea, and you think it's awful, and uh, how do you go about that? Oh, it's easy, easy, easy. <laughs> I explain I explain I explain why it's an awful idea and why I don't think it makes sense. And if they disagree with me, and it's always like you're allowed to dis agree to disagree. Like that's that's being professional. That's being respectful. Sure. So I can always accept that. But it's my job to educate and to explain why I feel as though, based on my profession and my experience, why I disagree and why I think this is a better solution. I'm never going to poke a hole in something I, unless I have a patch. Mm -hmm. Never going to happen. I'm not that guy. I won't step in front of a moving train. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, no, I, I so it's like if the artist is going down a path or the management's going down a path that I don't agree with, I'm going to come up with a solution that I feel is a much more sustainable answer. And I understand why, and then I'll bring it to them as a, a full package deal. Because I got to understand, like, I have a degree in strategic communication. So, like, the focus of that really was learning to understand where a conversation is going to go so you can beat them to it. And then also coming up with ways to create the conversation that you want to have. So, like, being able to, to process a conversation before it's had and to understand, like, like I said, knowing an artist and understanding your research of why they make their decisions better makes it so you can explain why yours makes more sense, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, research is really key in this space. So uh, why is Atlantic, what, what is it about Atlantic that makes it a, a good place to do all this? What about Atlantic? Uh, man, that's a really good question. I, it's hard for me to say what about Atlantic makes it stand out from the rest because I really have no familiarity with the rest. I interned at Atlantic as a sophomore in college, yeah. and I haven't looked back. You know, like uh, when I graduated, I went and got a job at a startup here in the city and that lasted for about a year mm -hmm. and I came right back over to Atlantic. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not really familiar with the playing field and what it's like over there. Right. But on, but as far as I know within Atlantic and what I really love about it is the freedom and the encouragement around like creativity and really trying to experiment and try new things. Like the whole department that I'm in right now wasn't a thing a year ago. They went and created a whole new department. They lumped four different people together who would in no right have any reason to be working together, but we're making it work, and we've created a whole new experimental department that's just, we're like a black ops team mm -hmm. within the company trying to find new ways to maneuver within this entertainment space, you know, not just looking at music, you know, but there's there's Twitch, there's the whole eSports space. I mean, there's covers, there's choreography, there's, there's sports now is a big thing. I mean, the building that we're in over here in, uh, in the city, we share an office space with Bleacher Report. I mean, they're on the second and third mm -hmm. floor. And we're on 10 and 11, and they have a basketball court in their uh -huh. office. So like, in a perfect world, we have an artist come to the label. They take a couple of meetings, and they go pop down to shoot cool. some and take over Bleacher Report socials with a couple million followers. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, like, that's just, that fell into our laps. Yeah. So what about accountability? Has they figured out how to uh, measure this? ROI. Yeah, right. We're working. We're working on it still. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things my boss is putting in place. He calls them archetypes that we're really trying to start building out so we can start tracing and measuring the success of these things. And unfortunately, when we really started getting our feet wet, we weren't looking at it the way we are now. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing that we're starting to really shift our our I wouldn't I guess I call it a lens. We're looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. How we're going to measure success and kind of kind of convey to the company why this makes so much sense and why we're sleeping mm -hmm. it, but mm -hmm. but also um something that you said earlier in the interview was mm -hmm. how uh, you brought up uh, publicity 
And in a way, this is 21st century publicity because yeah, labels, everybody's, we everybody's spending less. There's we no print. hand in hand with them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like they still, they're still handling, like I said earlier, like the Ellen and the TV looks. But, like, we, there's nothing I love more than when an artist has a huge TV look and then one of my content creators hits me up. It's like, yo, I just saw them on TV. Are you guys working them right now? Is there any budgets around? Like, I love when it comes full circle. So, like, it's hard for me to say press is dead because, by all means, it still is impactful. This is just a new form of public relations. You know, this is, like, digital public relations. It's I something to, like, you touch on it, right, is when we create original content. Say I go and I reach out to a choreographer in New Orleans who's a big fan of Gucci Man. And I get them to make a video, and the video smacks on their page, gets a couple hundred thousand views. That's not the end of the conversation. What I pride myself on is now a distribution strategy. It's finding the pages like Lit Dance Moves and like Happy Feet and Check This that are going to go and repost that dance video and caption it, Did You See This? Scale of 1 to 10, how many emojis you drop in. Like, they go and they continue the conversation, and it appears organic because the content is A1. The content is... We're, we're priding ourselves on setting the bar as to what acceptable content is. And that's what I've kind of created within Atlantic is this ecosystem of creators who understand what we're looking for and are willing to work with us when it doesn't hit that standard. They don't complain that we say, nope, try again. They're like, all right, you're right, you're right, let's try again. Mm-hmm. And, and you- they know that the distribution network is on standby, and they have, they have an even higher bar than we've set. That's cool. Yeah. N- now, yeah. uh Artist A comes to you and they have their ideas. Would you like? Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys then breaking up? Okay, here's how much we're going to do, and here's how much you're going to do, artist. Because obviously, the, it shouldn't all be up to you. The artist is going to have to do their their part of it as well. Um, I guess you spend. You mentioned you're doing a lot of educating too, because some artists might be great on Snapchat, but they don't. They can't do anything on Instagram. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, or vice versa, totally. something like that. So that's where the education comes in, not just with management, but you're so also dealing with the artists. What themselves. you're specifically speaking about is more, that's more focused on the digital marketers roles. So I, I came up doing digital marketing within Paul's department. And about a year and a half ago, I got promoted to doing, they kind of, they, they didn't know what to call it. So they kind of <laughs> worked with me to call it lifestyle and influencer marketing. And then a week ago, we changed it to content partnerships just as an over encompassing term for what we're doing. You know, whether it's not me putting on an event and bringing out sponsors and getting brand partnerships involved and then getting press involved because we want to make sure people saw what we did, that's content partnerships. It's no longer just influencer and lifestyle marketing. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about is more of a digital thing. That's a digital marketer's job, and they have a roster of artists they focus on, and that roster of artists are the ones that are responsible of educating to, like, the ins and outs, the best practices, what we've seen be successful, what we've seen flop, so that way, everybody's kind of on the same page to what the mandatories are and what the expectations are. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Uh, Patrick Gannon is here with us, and he's right. Uh, he's from Scotch Plains, New Jersey, so he has a Scottish brogue, and he's going to read a question for you that comes via the Twitter. Hit me. A tweet. Hit him. All right. So Rize asks, do you think these new marketing ways, working with influencers, will weaken the importance of big advertising agencies? No mm-hmm. question about it. I think you're already seeing it happening, and these big agencies are starting to work with micro-influencers, and they're starting to do more targeted geo-campaigns that focus on, like, which we would call like mom-and-pop creators, ones who have anywhere from, like, 3,000 to 10,000 followers getting campaigns from Gap and American Eagle because they work with these giant agencies who have realized it's not cost-affordable to work with the Lele Ponses of the world. 
you need to go and find these micro-influencers who nobody's looking at for big money campaigns. So these agencies are really diving into this space because they have real budgets. You know, like we're working with small budgets that aren't music video money. You know, there's giant agencies that are in this space that get six, seven figures to go and have fun. Hope that answers your question. Are you happy with that answer? I am happy with that okay. answer. Very nice. Um, Beautiful. Wh why don't you go through um, two things? Uh, you, when we saw you last, you were talking about um, with Instagram the Explore feature, how you use Explore, mm -hmm. and then you find totally. somebody. Uh, how? Do, what is your pitch, and how are you? Are you reaching them for, via DM or and all that? Kind of go through mm -hmm. the process. Totally. So I love utilizing the Explore page. Um, I follow very select creators, animators, illustrators, comedians, parkour artists, uh, whether it be like a dancing animal group in Russia or like bicycle art. It's, it's really eclectic for me, but I'm very selective about how I engage with the content. If I'm actually going to take the time to go and explore on the Explore feed, I'll make sure I like and comment on whatever I'm looking for. So if it's time for me to find some choreography videos because they're doing a dance campaign, I'll go like a bunch of those theme pages in the dance space. And a lot of the bigger choreographers like Will the Beast. And I'll make sure that Instagram knows I'm really interested in dance right now. And then I'll log out of Instagram. I'll log back in and I'll go hit the Explore fade and it's completely changed. And it'll show me all these choreographers, all these dancers, all these people who are liking and engaging with similar content that I just spent the last 10 minutes diving into. You know, so kind of strategizing and kind of gaming the Explore page is something that anybody could do. You know, it's just knowing what your goals are. And then once I've kind of found the creators I'm looking for, um, it matters what their bio looks like. Uh, if the bio says DM me for promo, then it's kind of obvious. I'm just going to hit their DMs and tell them exactly who I am and what I'm looking to do with them. You know, Atlantic Records has uh, an opportunity for you to kind of build a relationship with this specific artist. You know, I'll come to them with a select campaign. You know, I won't come to them with just the generic, oh, tell me what you want to do. It's more... Here's the specific opportunity, why I found you. And I'm all about transparency. You know, I'll tell them exactly what we're looking to do and why we're looking to do it, what the marketing plan looks like. So they understand that there's like a, a sense of trust being built here. You know, I preach relationships over revenue. And you're mm -hmm. thinking long term because with this, obviously in, in dance, there's going to be other times when you're going to want to use this person for other songs. Well, what's else. really interesting, and this is just my personal thoughts on this i don't know i'm not really speaking for atlantic here but i firmly believe that it's about the uniqueness of the content it's not about the audience it's not about the size of the audience it's not about the engagement it's more about the uniqueness of the content because then the platform becomes agnostic i don't need an instagram following i don't need you to have a twitter following just do what you do i'll go and find the following i can go get it on big paces i have those relationships i have those budgets just do what you do. Those are the creators I pride myself on finding because they don't have this, this sense of pride that whenever they do something, it deserves to be seen by millions, so I should get paid tens of thousands. They're more about the sense that they're passionate about what they do and they just do it for themselves. That's what I really pride myself on. And those are the true artists, the ones who really do this out of passion You know, because they're not money-hungry. They're not getting hit up by big brands. And if they are, they understand the, the value of what these opportunities look like. They're not trying to chase the bag, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Uh, another tweet? Yeah, another tweet for you. All right. Please. So, Hutch asks, given that you work with such new technologies, what are your sources of inspiration for coming up with new ideas? Ooh. Sources for new ideas. Uh, I mean, definitely, I got I to gotta shout out my team here at Atlantic. My coworkers are always blowing my mind with some of the things that we're throwing my way. Uh, I mean, we got 
an incredible team underneath Paul. The digital marketing squad's kind of broken up underneath the genres. So we've got uh, Urban and Pop Rock. And they're always uh, blowing up the DMs, sending me really creative things, things that, like, they want me to go and find who created it, how did they do this, what page is behind it, you know? So uh, I'll shout out my, uh, my coworkers on what's kind of inspiring me as, as far as uh, helping push the envelope. Cool. I don't okay. know if that's were – you, were you looking for more technology-wise, like what technology is inspiring me or the people? I think it's kind of open yeah. to your okay. interpretation of that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Hopefully okay. that works. Yeah, okay. Uh, another question from the same guy. Yeah, so Hutch also asks, what did your last failure teach you? That's a great one. My last failure. So I got ahead of myself and I spoke on behalf of a party that I was not qualified to speak on behalf of. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name drop any artists and I'm not going to name drop any brand. Right. But I'm helping put together an experience for an artist in, a, in another state. And one of the parties that I brought on had brought on another brand. And in my mind, it was just like, a, like, hell yeah, sure. Like, bring on another brand. What does that matter to me? It's the more the merrier. And then... The artist management team got onto my case because now what I didn't realize is that makes my artist a brand ambassador for that brand without their approval. Mm-hmm. I d- didn't even cross my mind, but they're 110% correct that I'm in the wrong, that I did not have the approval, the authority to go and put that artist in the same room as that product to co sign it. That's not my job. Nobody gave me that right. Mm-hmm. So I had to go and backpedal to both parties and apologize that I, yo, as much as it hate, I hate to say it, like, I was in the wrong here. I gave you guys approval on something I didn't have the right to. You do not have approval for this. I actually need to connect you to the correct parties. And then I corrected the correct parties. They had a conversation, and everything's okay now. And things have all sorted itself out. But lesson learned, man. Got to learn. I got to think before I speak on other people's behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the best part is that you owned up to it as opposed to of course. Oh, you know, dude, trying to there's not because you're going to get caught. In this industry that I have learned more than if you are the one who messed up by God, say it was me. Mm-hmm. Do not try and hide. Way too bright a spotlight's out here, man. People are smart, and the internet is very savvy. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're coming. They're gonna they're gonna hunt you down. So you might as well get out ahead of it. All right. Bite it right on the chain, man. I think transparency is is really one of my keys to success. And, and you know? your and your position is tough because you're always trying to push the envelope. You're always, always trying to come up with something man. creative always. that what hasn't been done. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is always the question. You know, what, is that acceptable? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, um, you had uh, talked earlier about things like shade room, uh, shade room, baller alert, um, baller alert, um, things like that. Uh, explain what those are and what they mean to you. Totally. So everybody's familiar with like Rolling Stone and Fader, Complex, Pitchfork. You know, these, these all are publications that have weight in their own space. The, the pages that I mentioned previously are just, same sense, new medium. So just like you would go back in the day to get the newest stuff going on in a Rolling Stone to hear what's going on in the rock and roll space, you go and you follow Baller Alert to see what's happening in urban culture. Same thing goes for Baller Alert, same thing goes for Shade Room, same thing goes for World Star. Media is breaking on these platforms, and conversations are being had and conversations are being screenshotted in the comment section and being put on other platforms. So it's just, it's just like when you would see the comment section blow up on a Fader article because the editor made a very staunch opinion about a performance and mm-hmm. the fan base has now come out and you've disrupted the beehive, per se. That happens on these platforms. 
These platforms have their own audiences, their own ecosystems, their own stand, diehard fans who are going to ride for the editors and the people posting the content no matter what they say. Yeah. Do so you to be able to speak to those platforms, it really it helps kind of introduce audiences to new artists. Do you ever get the feeling it's going to uh, run away from you, that there's so much going on now and so much oh, happening? Oh, dude, I... I, uh, I do. My hands are too small. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> My hands are way too small, and we do not have enough arms or warm bodies in the in the pool right now. Yeah. But we're trying, though. I mean, we are trying our best, and I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I definitely uh, I wouldn't prefer to be anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. How big is your department? I mean, uh, explain, I guess, the structure of where you are. And we keep mentioning Paul. Paul is Paul Sinclair, who's the head of digital marketing and e-commerce and all sorts of stuff at Atlantic Records. So right, he, can you kind of explain? Um, yeah, so digital, uh, we run, as far as I'm concerned, we run the internet for Atlantic, whether it be the artist's digital strategy, social strategies, partnerships online. We're, we're usually at the forefront of that uh, when it comes to like creating the Facebook pages and this Spotify playlist and making sure everything looks cohesive. That's, that's typically our jobs. That's the digital marketing department. Mm -hmm. um, recently, within the last year and a half, uh, we created this content partnerships, kind of like Black Ops SWAT team. And we are, we're sort of like business dev on the digital side. Uh, we're looking for new apps. We're looking for new research tools, um, finding innovative ways to monetize channels and partners. It's, there's no limitations to what we're capable of doing as a department because there wasn't a blueprint when they built this. They were just kind of like, yo, you guys are a bunch of oddballs. You guys all hmm. do great at what you do individually, and we don't want to put you in a box. So go play together on the, like, they just literally just like open the door and they're like, all right, go outside. <laughs> <I'll> figure <laughs> this out. And shout out to my boss, Cyrus. I mean, he's, he's straight up a genius. Uh, he's trying to figure this out and he's been really good at kind of guiding us towards what he thinks is kind of the homeland, you know, and I have to agree with him on where he's taking us. I think, uh, give it a year and we have this conversation again, it's going to be one of those things where I'm laughing about how difficult it was to try and convince people we know what we're talking about. Cyrus has got a vision and the man's, if there's anybody who's smart enough to get people to see, it's him. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now if you were going to hire somebody, let's say uh, for basically an entry-level position because our listeners are mostly college students here, what, mm -hmm. what qualification would you be looking for? So there's two different aspects to the department, though. I'd say that we're no longer hiring right now, but if we were hiring, there'd be two aspects. There's the creative, which is someone more on my side, which is coming up with innovative and new ways to kind of bring Atlantic's artists to the forefront with people you wouldn't have imagined. So something that like I'm looking for is bring to my attention partners and ecosystems and, pl and platforms I never realized existed. You know, like an app that we're really trying to explore right now is Cameo, you know, and that was brought to me by one of my, uh, one of my friends attention. And he, he put me on his app Cameo. Are you guys familiar with Cameo? No, no. All right, real quick. Cameo is imagine if you're, your favorite movie star, uh, say it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Imagine if there was an app where Leonardo DiCaprio had created a profile and for $250, you could pay Leonardo DiCaprio to do a cameo video where he just records a video of your choosing. You write the directions, and if he likes it, he'll approve it. If he doesn't like it, he'll tell you what he doesn't like about it and what he's changing, and if you approve it, then he'll record the video. So my friend sent me a video about six months ago, five months ago when fantasy football was wrapping up of Michael Rappaport shouting out one of the guys in their fantasy league, calling him a punk because he didn't pay up his dues. He got last place. He was supposed to go and dress up like a chicken in a chicken costume and dance outside one of the offices of one of their employees. 
and he bailed on it. So they paid Michael Rappaport 100 bucks to call him out. And the dude recorded the video, and they posted it on socials, and it got a little bit of attention because Michael Rappaport's fan base was like, yo, who is he calling all these names, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what is, what is this app? And then I'm now exploring using Cameo as a, as, an, as a weapon to market music and find ways to get our artists integrated into the platform, you know, finding new ways to speak to an audience that's already utilizing Cameo on a day-to-day basis, you know? So I, I would tell someone who's looking for a job, like, yo, be up to date on these platforms because I had no idea what Cameo was. I didn't know that it could be utilized like that. I didn't know I had such an expansive roster of talent on it. And when I reached out to them, they were like, yo, we would love to work with Atlantic Records. So now I'm looking like a G because no other major label was having conversations with them about things we can do and, like, ways to explore the partnerships. Mm-hmm. So, so, so with Cameo, just about it, it physically, uh, so you record the content on Cameo, and then you can incorporate that into Instagram, for example? So they send it to you on Cameo. So Michael Rappaport sends this video to my friend. He gets it on Cameo. He says, yep, approved. The deal is done. He now can take that video and do with it as he sees so fit. Oh, okay. He can mm-hmm. go throw it up on Instagram. If he had a blog, he could throw it up on his blog. Uh, if he had a projector, he could go throw it up on the side of a building. You know, like there's limitless potential for this. And it's got people like, I, I, I'm trying to think like who some of you guys would know that's on here. You guys remember like NSYNC? Like Lance yeah. Bass is on here. Sure. Like stuff like that. Like there's, it's, it's creators who are looking for ways to stay relevant. You know, I don't want to call them C-listers and take shots, but... Right. But it's an yeah. opportunity for them to. It's another revenue stream for these Bingo, artists who man. are no longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And it, it is. Know, and there's also creative ways to use the platform. You know, like make it a dollar and you only choose one person a day. Mm-hmm. So now there's like this lotto aspect to it. You know, like there's there's mm-hmm. really creative. That's what uh-huh. I'm saying. It's like they introduced me to this platform. They had no idea what they did because now <laughs> yeah. we're we're finding new ways to utilize the technology they build. And I'm having conversations with them and they're like, Oh, that does make, we should do. And now I'm getting to be the Guinea pig. Right. Like that's phenomenal. I love being the Guinea pig because that, you know what that means is I also get to be the second one to do it. Mm -hmm. And the third. (laughs) So now getting back to this, uh, this position open position. So yeah. So that's one half of it is like being, being on the cutting edge, being innovative, being creative. So might you um, utilize stuff like that. Might you and the, as, op, the other side oh, of that? Go ahead. No, I'm saying, might you do the video that Atlantic gave you a project to go home and come back with ideas? Might you do that to uh, to a new a recruit or whatever? Oh, 100 percent. But I would do it in person. I mm-hmm. put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. See what kind of chops we're working with. All right. Um, and then the the other half of the hiring mechanism. And, you know, I'm just speaking on my personal behalf here. Mm-hmm. You know, this would all come through upper management, which I am not, God right. forbid, <laughs> and uh, they would not be ready for that. Um, I would say it would have to be, like, analytical, savvy gear turning, you know, like tracking campaigns, creating spreadsheets, developing what our ROI structure looks like, making sure people are paid on time, creating vendors, you know, like more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's something I feel like is more, left, like, you know, left brain, right brain. Right. Right. But yeah, that's that's basically to answer your question. That was uh-huh. that's the two sides of it. Right. How old are you? 26, 27? 27. 27. So to me, um, the future of the music, recorded music industry, or just entertainment, is, is somebody like you, somebody who comes up through the ranks like this, completely understands the creators, 
completely understands the marketing is somebody who's completely open-minded to new things and this is where it's going you know mm -hmm. uh pe people like you and like you mentioned left brain right brain who are also responsible trustworthy um learn from your mistakes i mean you're like the perfect yeah. person who's going to be you know Yo, paul uh, i hope paul is tuned into this man come on <laughs> we'll text him right after it becomes a podcast yeah 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 please please but but right. it's, but it's true. I mean, you, when we heard you speak, one thing that um, you didn't bring up in terms of when you're interviewing somebody, when we heard you speak, the thing that I was telling Dr. Stavon Marconi earlier today when we were when we were talking about you behind your back, was the amount of of passion that you have, and and hopefully listeners can hear it. Just the the you live this, you oh, yeah. breathe this. I mean, I'm this is what you're all day, about man. every day, bro. Mm -hmm. I mean, shout out to my girl, Cami Best. I mean, she, God bless her, lets me talk her ear off about this nonstop. I, I mean, I wake up to a bunch of unread messages from creators wanting to do things. I go to sleep thinking about ways to get more people involved in what I do. You know, I firmly believe a rising tide lifts all boats. So whether you're in a dinghy or a yacht or you're just barely getting by on a life jacket, you know, if we're creating opportunities for everybody to eat, man, nobody's going to be complaining. How much sleep so, do you get uh, at night? How much sleep do you get every night? How much sleep? Yeah. So... Mom and God dad want They're not, uh, God bless Atlantic, they're not really on me about being in the office at the crack of dawn anymore because they understand the lifestyle that this department's kind of created for me. I'm usually up to about 3 and 4 in the morning every night, and I'm usually up around like 9.30, 10-ish in the office by 11, 11.30. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... You but, know, trying my, try my to be there. So, like, but as long as I'm up, because, like, the day starts for Atlantic at 10. Right. If I'm awake by 10 o'clock and I'm on email and I'm on text and I've got my call forwarding set up so if somebody, God forbid, hits my work line, my cell phone's ringing and I'm picking up the first call, like, before it rings. You know, like, my boss likes joking that it didn't even ring and he's already talking. <laughs> you know, I kind of pride myself on being accessible, you know? And, like, as long as I'm accessible and, I, and like, I, I pride myself on, like I said, the relationship of it. So I'm not leaving people on scene. I'm not ignoring calls and then ducking you for a week. I'm going to tell you exactly yeah. why I don't have answers for you right now, and then I'm going to contact you when I do have answers. Please stand by. Stop harassing me. <laughs> right. Well, part of this, if you can't respect that, then it's just like I'm not going to work with you. It's not. It's not a big deal for me to move on. Mm -hmm. Now that's what the blessing about Atlantic is. We're we're a big dog in the space, and I can I can play the part and move as such. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, the when people are thinking, "Wow, he's up till two or three in the morning," but you know, at three in the morning, it's midnight in, on the West Coast. Oh, on the West Coast, what, yeah. Come on, like so. all my all, all my people are still like wide awake. And what's beautiful about what we're doing is I deal with a lot of international partners. Like there's there's people that we deal with in Lithuania, Macedonia, like, mm -hmm. and it it helps me being up at four in the morning because like this is this perfect example, guys. Something I'll do is like utilizing the Explore page. I'll find somebody who I've never seen before. I'll go and follow them. I'll put them on my radar. I'll DM them, and they won't respond because they didn't see it. They didn't see my comment, check your DMs. They missed it. Or they chose not to even respond. Who knows? But then while I'm up at 4 in the morning, and they choose to go live at 11 o'clock in the afternoon their time, and I am happen to be on, I tune into their live stream because it's 4 a.m. my time, and there's three or four people in there, and I get to comment directly to them, yo, what's up? I work with Atlantic, and I would love to work with you. Check your DMs. I've been trying to contact you. They end their live stream immediately, and we're on a WhatsApp call for the next hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like great. now that guy's creating animations for me for Kodak Black. It's like that's absolutely incredible that Instagram was able to get this kid onto Kodak Black, and he's working with Kodak Black, and it took all of 
like I said, an hour and just me being up at that hour and then getting on the phone with him, convincing him that this is the sort of opportunity you don't miss out on, that this is going to be an introduction to Atlantic that you never imagined. And I, I create an opportunity. Yeah. And, and you're making you know, your own so luck. Like, you know, you're making your own luck. 100%, I mean, man. Yeah. 100%. And that's one thing we try and tell the students here in yeah, there's certain students who got it, who are like you and, and got it, you know, and there are others who talk the game, but you can see they're, they're still college students and they're still, you know, not putting mm -hmm. in the time. And even if they want to be artists, you know, I was talking to an artist in a class a couple of weeks ago who was saying he spent like an hour and a half a day, you know, on his craft. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting next to a, a jazz saxophone player who probably spends about an hour and a half of, of time in 30 minutes because he's just so good at it. So, um, I mean, whether you're on the business or the artistry, you have to put in the time and you have to put the hours in when the hours make sense. Mm -hmm. so, and you're doing that. Yeah. You always, a, man. You had always, a, always. You have a flu shot, don't you? Did you get a flu uh, shot? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you scared me for a second. I was like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> we just want you healthy because you're not getting That's enough right. sleep. Exactly. Your mother and yeah, father no, keep 100%. texting me and saying, yes, yeah, please make sure our little, out here. they want to make sure our little Jordy is getting his sleep. Mother's going to be worried yeah. now for the next two weeks. I know. Yeah, yeah, yo, shout out, shout out Jody and Jerry. I love you guys. Jody and Jerry. Yeah. Jody people, and Jerry. Man. And where are they now? Uh, they're in Arkansas, man. I'm from Arkansas. Ah. Really? Okay. Yeah, oh. Hot Springs. I would have said Oklahoma, but yeah, Arkansas. That makes sense. Uh, there you go. I'm joking. Hey, we have one more tweet for you. Hey, All right. So Teresa asks, is it difficult to promote certain artists or genres over others? Without question, Teresa, without question. It is so funny when I'll reach out to a content creator on behalf of an artist and they'll say, who? <laughs> what is this? And like sometimes it's a pretty big, decent sized artist. And like it's just sometimes music lives in small pockets and there's nothing we can do about it. It's up to us to kind of present the artist in a in a way that kind of is appealing, you know, and that's, it's on me to get to know the content creator and find out what's important to them and what cosigns they kind of value more than others. You know, like if I know they're big fans of a certain rapper and I know my artist did a song with them a year ago that has that rapper as a feature, I'm starting the conversation with that song, not our current priority single, mm -hmm. you know? So finding ways around uh, the unfamiliarity and uh, ways to kind of legitimize my artists and, uh, the genre that they're in is definitely a difficult task. It's one that we uh, we definitely need to keep working on. So yeah, yeah Teresa, it definitely rolls. It definitely plays a role. It's interesting because I was talking to a class the other day, and I had been at the Gramercy Theater uh, doing a walkthrough, and the artist who was performing that night is named Bryce Vine, and so I went to class, and it was a sold out show. So we'll say they sold out 500 tickets, and I said to my class, "Who's heard of this guy?" And of, of 25 students in that class, not one person had heard who he was, yet he sold out the Gramercy Theater mm -hmm. in New York City. It just goes to show that with the Internet, Damn, they, it really lives in pockets. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Mm -hmm. Oh, when we could I ask one more or did you have something? No, please go yeah. ahead. Go so because so, um, we have about two and a half minutes left. When we were in, you told about a promotion that you did with Mia Khalifa, who is a, we'll call it her, an influencer, a content creator on Instagram with 13.5 yes. million followers. Can you kind of explain Perfect. what that was, how you found her? Because she's, yeah, she's that good. Is a, good that example. is a great example of what our jobs are. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Rini. Uh, Rini is my counterpart on the content partnership side. She has a focus on the pop rock side, whereas I focus mostly on urban. 
Um, she was doing her research on our artist, Bozzy, and Bozzy was performing at a festival down in Texas, and we were looking up content creators that were based in Texas that had an affinity for Bozzy, and Mia Khalifa popped up. Uh, they're from the same, uh, I think they're of the same background, same ethnicity, and uh, she happens to be based in Texas. A lot of her posts had tagged Texas in her home and stuff, so we were able to kind of correlate the fact that she was a local creator who had a, some familiarity with Bozzy, we reached out to her management team, got in touch, found out that she was actually a fan of the music and was already planning on going to this festival and was down to actually get upgraded to all access so she could meet our artist. So we had her link up with Rini. Rini flew down to Texas, met up with uh, met up with Mia, gave her just the A1 experience. Want, gave, like It's like if you had all access passes and you were with the artist, that's what Mia got to experience. And she, of course, we didn't pay her to document it. We didn't tell her to pull her phone out. We just made sure she was comfortable. And we created an environment where she felt like pulling out her phone was the right thing to do because that's what she does as a creator. Is she, she shows her fans what she's up to. You know, She takes them on the journey. So we made sure the journey was worth sharing. So when she went backstage and met Bozzy before the show, she took a picture and posted it. When she was side stage during the performance and the streamers go blowing across the stage, she took a video on her story about it. We got almost like $30,000 worth of value based on our CPMs and the impressions we received, and it was based solely on the fact that we had a relationship and we were able to position our artists in a way that made it make sense to her that money wasn't a topic of conversation. Right. Mm. Well, cool. And, Perfect and example she, of what we do here. How did she get into that position? I mean, how did she get so Rini? many followers? Yes. Uh, Rini or Mia? Mia. Mia. Oh, Mia Mia's an adult film star. Uh, you can definitely Google her. Not oh. on any, uh, not on any uh, college servers. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. All right. There we go. Looking so out for their best interest. So okay. my last question is: When did you, Please. when did you realize, sitting in Arkansas, that you were doomed to work in New York? Um, so I've got, So my mom is originally from New York, and my dad's originally from Baltimore. Uh, so growing up, I spent a lot of time on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So the cold and the aggressive savageness was nothing new to me. <laughs> and uh, when I, I actually am blessed, I have family in the music industry. Uh, my aunt is uh, an actual member of Atlantic as well. Uh -huh. So when I was a young adult, she did her due diligence of kind of introducing me to the space. And anytime we came to New York and there was any shows, she got us in. You know, she yeah. showed us the experience and kind of put me on to what this lifestyle looked like. Yeah. And being a kid in Arkansas and then getting to go to Miami and see P. Diddy and Flo Rida and then going to New York and getting to see Young Jock, it was just like, wow, I, I want this access, I want this association, and I, I want this notoriety, you know? And I saw what she had done working in this space in New York City and what this, what this environment kind of created for her and with the right accolades and right mentality, what she created for herself. And I was like, dude, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, and we got to go. Trying. There you go. Oh, Perfect sorry. Timing. I, we got to go. I, I ran a conference one time of uh, <laughs> of music. Uh, kids that want to be in a music business. There's about 500 of them there. And we did it on, we did it uh, one day in New York and then one day out in New Jersey. So I got on the mic and I told the kids that weren't from the East Coast and so on. Yeah, I think we were like at 50, maybe 50th and 8th or 7th. I said, go out and stand there for about a half hour at lunchtime and get bumped like 20, 30 times by guys walking by, you know. And if you can take, if you can't take that, then go back oh, home goodbye. and do whatever you're going to do. Yeah, if you, if you get, is, you get um, vitalized from that, then you're in the right yeah. place. 
I want you to know probably my second week. I So I lived at my aunt's house, and uh, I, I apologize if we go over, but this is a story we're sharing. I was living in Tribeca at my aunt's place, and things were great, and then I finally got my first job at that startup. So I moved to Brooklyn and got an apartment in East Williamsburg, like uh, little Puerto Rico. Right. And I'd say my third day living there, I get off the subway. It's probably 11 o'clock at night. I'm walking home. And there's a homeless man on the side of the, and he's like on the sidewalk, but he's kind of off to the side of the sidewalk in the in the corner of it. He's mm-hmm. making sounds, and I'm like, what is? And I'm like, I'm trying to like walk past without noticing what's going right. on. We make right. eye contact, and he is what I realize is actually in the process of taking a poop. Oh God! <laughs> so I am watching. We're, we're literally locked eyes. Yeah, as right. This man defecates on the sidewalk in front of me. Right. And that was day three in Brooklyn. So yeah, yeah. man, if you can't, right. you can't cut it in New York. I mean, yeah. it, dude, this place is this place yeah. is different, man. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, That's he had a good high with. fiber diet. So, <laughs> all right. Oh so, God. So, so, so Jordan, saw, son, offspring, spawn of Jody and Jerry. Thank you so much for being yes, on Music Biz One and More. We thank you so much, Jordan. Take care. We'll we'll be in touch. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for having me. You're the best, yeah. man. Thank you. Take care. All right, yo, peace, guys. Peace out. So at the end of every show, we do not say hello. At the end of every show, we say adios.